What is up my self-improving friend? It is Brian Ford with Self-Improvement Daily. Take ownership of your personal development one tip at a time. It is time for another self-improvement sit down. Instead of the typical two minute episode I share every weekday on the podcast, in these interviews, I sit down with people who are leading their industry and learn from their expertise. Honestly, I think it's just the coolest thing in the world that I get to participate in these conversations. The short episodes will be back tomorrow. Give one a listen if you haven't already. But for now, let's dive into this incredible opportunity to learn. This is self-improvement sit down number 47 with Tammy Tibbetts. And we are live. Today's guest is Tammy Tibbetts. Tammy is the co-founder of She's the First, a nonprofit dedicated to teaming up with women-led grassroots organizations to make sure girls globally are educated, respected, and heard. What started as a social media campaign in 2009 has grown into an international movement that has helped over 130,000 girls in 26 countries and has 200 campus chapters dedicated to furthering the cause. To share what she's learned in the last decade of her work, Tammy co-authored a book titled Impact, a step-by-step plan to create the world you want to live in. Tammy, incredible work so far in your career. Thank you for being of service and thank you for speaking with me today. Oh, I'm so excited to be here. Thank you. So in this conversation, I want to do something a little more unique, which is kind of mirror the ways that impact aligns with personal development, because I think there's very much a through line between the two of those. And the first one that I identified in reading your book, which was incredible, highly recommend everyone reads it. We'll get into more details on that. But the first through line that really kind of paints that picture is this idea of the oxygen mask of life, which is when you're on a plane, you're instructed to put your own oxygen mask on before you put the oxygen mask of a minor or someone else that requires assistance. And I think that's such a like obvious example of how we should kind of prioritize our own ability to serve before we go out and serve in its fullest capacity. So I'd love to hear more about how you approach that and a bit about what we need to do in order to kind of show up as our best self first before stepping into the impact work we're called to do. Yeah, I mean, I think we grow up from a young age with everyone telling us you can change the world and the motivational posters uh, in our school and and we get this idea that we have to go out in the world and fix it and make it better. And that's all external. But the truth is the difference that you make in the world has to start from within and a very clear understanding of what your own personal motivation is, your own story and how that connects to the issues you care about, what unique resources and skills you have to offer. And that's all like step one, two, and three before you start reaching out and teaming up with your impact partners. So yes, the journey is a very individual process. And that's why Kristen and I wanted to write this book for the last decade and meeting people and who wanted to volunteer and help. She's the first. They'd often come to us with the big question of what can I do? How can I help? And you know, truth be told, not knowing them, we didn't know how to direct them. And it takes a bit of time to figure that out more, more time than most nonprofit leaders have. So we thought by writing this book, we could give people the roadmap on how to figure that out for themselves. 
For sure. Yeah. And, and that roadmap starts with the self-discovery process of what do you stand for? What do you have to offer? And, and you kind of really do get into the, the gritty details of that. You know, that kind of reminds me of you got to fill up your cup before you can fill up someone else's, you know, so there really needs to be this kind of authentic and intrinsic element um, to your contribution before you can really commit to it, because, you know, that is the most authentic and genuine expression of what you have to offer. So I, I love that thought. And I love how you can really start articulating that in, in a tactical and meaningful way. And I think that's kind of, you know, the next topic perhaps of the book that you get into, which is how there are so many causes to support and there's so much work to be done. And oftentimes you can almost get a little critical or kind of create these self-imposed kind of limitations about like how meaningful is it of what I'm doing versus what I should be doing, right? There's kind of that criticism that is unfortunate, but it really is an influential factor. And you, you guys have a really cool way of kind of helping people own their lane, you know, of like really understanding that kind of really deeply rooted, um, unique contribution people have to make. Could you tell us a little bit about kind of how we handle that overwhelm as it relates to the external pressures of what we should do, and then bring that back to how you commit to something that is truly aligned with what you're meant to do versus what you're told to do? Yeah, that's a good question. We uh, you know, there's... I find two types of people. There are some people who just seem to inherently know what their North Star is. And we define a North Star as being that vision you have for the world you want to live in. Uh, I would consider myself one of those people. I think I knew from my teenage years that I wanted to be um, devoted to fighting for gender equity and amplifying the voices of women and girls. But I have people in my life and that I've met who aren't so sure. And that's usually because they're incredibly compassionate and kind human beings who care about so much. And I like to reassure those people in acknowledging that in choosing a focus, you're not, you're not saying you don't care about everything else because most issues do intersect with one another. You know, gender equity in my case intersects with climate justice, racial justice, economic opportunities, you're simply creating a, a focal point that you can work back from because you can't do everything. And when it comes to the point that you have to decide where to put your resources, that's the lens that you can use. Um, I think to your point about the shoulds, my focus is very global and we'll talk about she's the first later and you'll understand that more. And people sometimes tell me, well, is it enough if I'm just focused on my own community and making sure that the people who live around me have their basic needs met? Is that is that too small? And my answer to that is no, that's incredible. Like if your focus is hyper local, or if it's just domestic, that is so needed. Not everyone has to be taking a global approach. And that's great if you have a mix and you're taking actions that are contributing to global welfare, as well as to the state of your country and then your community. Um, but don't let anyone tell you what you should do because in my experience, those are the people who aren't doing very much themselves and they're projecting their own insecurity about that onto you. In the early days of She's the First, I can't tell you how many times I heard, what about the boys? Thankfully, I do hear that less these days because I think the mainstream knowledge behind the importance of girls' education and how far behind girls lag from boys around the world is, is a bit more well-known than it was 11 years ago. But every time it was from people who were not 
they weren't doing anything for boys either. Um, so we definitely, that's the only time I will endorse using the word should is replying back to that person and be like, you should do that. If they're going to pass judgment on your focus, then perhaps that's a sign that that's something that's important to them and they should go do that. I love that. Yeah. If they should on you, then you should on them right back. That, Cause that's so funny, you know, cause like the shoulds of life are, you know, other people, like you said, projecting what they think is best for you or what they, what they think you should do. And it's like, okay, how about you embody that? You know, you be the change you wish to see you go ahead and take that initiative, you know, every, and that goes back to, you know, everyone stay in their lane, everyone figure out what is kind of their unique calling and, and their unique contribution. And I think you touched on two really important things. You know, the first being, like resource allocation, right? So it's like understanding within your context, like what do you actually have to offer? You know, you talk about like your actual net worth, your real net worth in the book, because there are so many different ways that you can produce value in kind of unconventional ways. That's something I'm really passionate about it for purpose is how can we really activate people to the full spectrum of their capabilities versus just, this is how you should get involved, right? So there's kind of that one element of it. Then the second element of it is, you know, really, leaning on your own personal experience. What pulls at your heartstrings? And oftentimes, why does that pull at your heartstrings, right? Because you had a certain experience or you had a certain observation or understanding of the world that ends up uniquely positioning you to speak on it or to, to share and advocate for it, right? So I guess as it relates to us being self-aware and identifying our past experiences, where those come from, our resources and our means to impact, and you detail in the book, what are some of the things that you know, we could think about in order to like really hone in on that so that we can start, you know, kind of pointing us toward our unique North Star. Yeah, well, as you said, it starts from a very personal place of what moments from your early childhood or teenage years, um, what circumstances of your life um, for good or for bad make you passionate about particular issues? What is your connection to those issues? Um, when you're reading the news or watching it on TV today, like what stories kind of get a rise out of you and start to connect the dots on what that is. So for me, as a teenager, I was extremely shy. And to the point of in my high school yearbook, they voted me the most shy in the senior class, which was such a wake up call for me because as I was preparing to go off to college and be the first in my family to do so, I, I recognized that I had opportunities ahead of me that weren't afforded to women and girls around the world. And all of a sudden, it just felt so uh, pathetic to me that I would be silencing myself and let the you know, judgment of my peers intimidate me from, from speaking out. So I vowed with that, um, <laughs> with that recognition that I would not be the shy girl in college. And that, um, in fact, I would pursue my passion for writing. And I majored in journalism with the original dream of becoming a journalist who would report on stories and issues that mattered to girls and women worldwide. Um, and ever since, even though my career pivoted into nonprofit unexpectedly, that has been the thread that has guided me. And I'm sure in whatever unimaginable things I will do in the future, like it will have something to do with empowering girls and, and standing up for their rights. So mm -hmm. I would encourage people as you're reading the book too, and we have a workbook on our, on our website, planyourimpact.com, uh, make the time to really reflect and write down these stories because you might be surprised of what 
comes up at the surface when you give yourself the space to, to think about it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, do the work, right? So it's like, it's there and you can access it, but you just gotta like really be intentional about pulling it out of you. And I think that your workbook has a lot of great prompts as it relates to kind of these past stories and life histories and even, you know, points of um, kind of like advantages that you've come to grow through and learn, you know, and, and I love your personal story too, about how you committed to something and being different and how that is now kind of like your North star in like, Hey, this is something that I overcame. I recognize this is an issue for other people. And how can I be part of the platform that helps to make this conversation more normal and just kind of easier for other people to talk about the motivation and nature of my kind of interest in social impact comes from a similar experience. When I went to college, I had a very clear kind of, um, at, at least I, I gained insight into how things were growing up versus how things are in the world. And I was like, whoa, there is so much difference here. And that's kind of where I try to bridge the opportunity gap, you know, is more along the lines of my North Star. Um, so thank you for sharing. I mean, it's, it's a really empowering and inspiring story. Um, and you don't come off as someone who was shy in high school. So mission accomplished on your part. Um, yeah, yeah. Cool. Oh, we all evolved so much from our, but I think our teenage self and our younger self um, really keeps us, I don't know, keep that voice inside of you alive because I, I even have on my desk, I have a little, a picture of little Tammy. I'm showing it listeners um, to Brian right now. It's my first grade photo. Uh, and I took it from my parents' house because it just reminds me of, you know, I, since my work is fighting for girls' rights, you know, we all have a, a younger version of ourselves inside of us um, who, if we just listen to that voice, oftentimes it gives us the, the courage to do things as an adult that we might be afraid to do otherwise. And it reminds us how far we've come as well. Totally. And in something that you kind of touch on tangentially in the book, but also just more in the way that you operate is how like young naive ideas are actually important, especially within the social impact sector, because like you need to question the norm, you know, and, and those young voices and kind of like that younger entrepreneurial innovative, like I can do anything spirit is just so required in order to like really innovate, right. And to, to be creative in those spaces. So that's an, another reason to kind of remember like, Oh, what would little Tammy do? Because th there's like so much just like enthusiasm and optimism in life that you can really tap into. So that, that's awesome. Cool. All right. And, and then growing into like the next kind of part of the book, right? So we just discussed the, the what and why of social impact, you know? So like, this is what you can do and how to figure out what to do. This is why it means something to you. Now let's get into the how, the, the how and the process of social impact and something that really stood out to me um, in the book that I think is again, kind of relating to like personal development is the differentiation that you made between experiencing something and encountering something, right? Because it's kind of two different ways that you can approach a situation. And I don't think it's a, a, a difference that is immediately um, noticeable. You know, it's, it's kind of, it's a very subtle difference, but I think it's important in impact and also in life and personal development. So could you kind of, you know, elaborate a little bit more about kind of the difference of those two, which one we should pursue and why? Yeah, one of the big takeaways of part two of the book is now that you've got the practical pieces down of creating your impact plan, it's about the philosophies that you take with you. And um, first and foremost, it's about having a growth mindset because you are going to make missteps and mistakes along the way. Hopefully, you know, after reading this book, you will mitigate and minimize those, but it's just inevitable. As humans, we all have 
biases that we bring to the table. Um, and when, when we're younger, especially, um, we don't really, we just see things through our perspective and we're kind of like the, the star of the story. And we don't realize that everyone else that we're interacting with has a different perspective. Um, and we don't fully weigh the differences in privilege among everyone that we're interacting with. And this is something that I certainly learned a lot more about as I got more into the nonprofit world. Um, but in the, in the book, I even share stories of when I, I didn't get it right in the, in the early days and how um, along the way, I think, and this is aligning with it, what we're experiencing too as a, as a country, probably as a wider world, but definitely as Americans in the United States, the conversation around um, racial justice, Black Lives Matter, in the past year, especially it's come to the forefront. I think more people are realizing um, the, the limitations of their own perspective, especially if they are white and or whatever other privilege that they have and recognizing how when you are engaging in change-making work, especially if you are serving communities that have less privilege than you or more vulnerable than you, how do you bring them to the table as your partners? And how do you think about creating change with them, not just for them? Yeah, and that perspective is kind of what's embedded in that difference between experiencing and encountering, right? Because like, it is the intention by which you approach it, you know, and it's kind of, and it's the level of integration with which you approach. And I think, you know, you're, you're touching a lot on the importance of perspective, which trust me, I talk about that all the time. You're totally nail on the head with that. Um, but then as it relates to impact, like being empathetic about those who you're serving and their means and the way that they might perceive the way that you're engaging with them, because, you know, there's a heartbreaking story about Martha. I'm not going to go too much into it, but, you know, there's a heartbreaking story about, you know, someone who did something that was well-intended. It actually had these downstream consequences. And, you know, and that's the reality of different perspectives is, you know, you can think one thing in one light and then it can mean another thing in another light. So absolutely. I think that's important. And I think that you know, that perspective, you know, that's more of like the psychological perspective. I think there's another kind of really tactical perspective and differentiation that we can focus on here too, which is the difference between like short-term outcomes and long-term outcomes as it relates to social impact. You know, you call them band-aids and system solutions, you know, so there's kind of two different ways to actually take action in a meaningful way. Um, you know, one being more meaningful than the next, but in different kind of fields of competition, so to speak. So yeah, so if you could kind of help quantify that distinction between the two, you know, a Band-Aid versus a system solution. Uh, I think that's a, just a helpful awareness for us to have as we look to make an impact in our days. Yeah, it is important to recognize when you're doing something, is this going to meet the needs in this urgent moment? Or is it going to get to the root of the problem and kind of prevent it from happening in the future? Now, a lot of times the short fixes, we call them Band-Aid fixes, um, kind of get a bad reputation because it's like um, just doing the, the easy thing. But Band-Aids are valuable because when, when people are suffering, for example, it is crucial that we are alleviating that pain and suffering. So when after a, a climate disaster, when you're donating money um, or after a fire, when the Red Cross would bring the blankets, that was all needed to make sure that people who have lost their homes, um, they don't have food, giving them those basic necessities so they can rebuild their lives. I mean, that is a noble thing to do. 
but it's not all we should be doing. We should be thinking, you know, and so with the climate example for a long-term solution, when there is a devastating earthquake, it is the lower income countries or communities that are more impacted because their architecture and their infrastructure wasn't strong enough to begin with. So how are we investing in those communities so that they can be more resilient when these climate disasters happen? Because they will keep happening. Depending on what your focus is and as you're putting your plan together, how can you make sure that there is a mix of the short-term fixes and the longer-term systemic solutions? Now, the short-term fixes are oftentimes things that you can single-handedly step up and provide. The longer term systemic solutions, no one can pull that off independently. This should be a relief to most people because it takes some weight off your shoulders. That's when you're being thoughtful about, well, what movements am I plugging into? What political candidates am I supporting who are making policy changes? Um, what groups can I team up with to make that change happen over time, over my lifetime, over a generation? And um, when you're doing a combination of those things, I think it's more fulfilling because then you, um, sometimes if you're just doing band-aid fixes, it feels like you're not making progress in the grand scheme of things. And it's uh, important to recognize, even if, you're, even if you're making a $10 a month donation to um, an organization that's lobbying for policy change that you believe in, don't for a second think that $10 a month is meaningless, that it's a, even it's a small number, it is contributing to change that is ultimately going to be more lasting than if you had just uh, done the, the one-off small thing to help someone who is suffering in the moment. Mm -hmm. Of course, like every contribution matters. Again, that's something that I really firmly believe, but you're, you're touching on something interesting about human nature that fundamentally is at the core of personal development, which is kind of the difference between short-term rewards and long-term rewards. You know, oftentimes we engage in bad habits because those are immediately rewarded with more superficial kind of spikes and, you know, dopamine, other neuro neurotransmitters, et cetera. And, you know, like we're designed to kind of like have that short-term reward, but we know that what's best for us usually is a sacrifice, you know, exercising a good diet, you know, maybe getting extra sleep instead of going out with friends. Like, there's the sacrifice in the short term that actually like really feeds you and fuels you in the long term, but we're not designed to like really prioritize long-term payoffs. And I think the same goes for kind of the way you contribute is there's not necessarily immediate evidence of the long-term kind of contribution that you're making because the progress is so slow, but, you know, kind of understanding, and maybe that's how you bring it back to the present in the short term is understanding that it is fundamental and it does count, you know, then now that decision kind of represents something larger that kind of closes the loop in the short term, you know, so that's just a very kind of backwards process, but it's, it truly is the, like the, the golden nugget for any kind of like real change is like, let's do this over time because more can happen over time versus just kind of the, the short term fix, you know? So I, I love that mm -hmm. distinction. And, you know, your answer to that in the book is do both. And that's what you just said, right. It's like, it's both, you know, it's not one or the other, it's both. Everything's a balance, you know? And I think it's important, like with our contributions to be intentional about how things can be a balance as well. Um, so I, I love that thought. Cool. Now let, let's kind of move on to like the important takeaway, at least in my opinion with this, which is, okay, so you have all of these tools and resources in front of you now, like, like, why does it matter? You know, like, like, and you kind of touched on this in terms of like every little bit counts, but like, why does this ultimately matter? Right. And 
um, you know, something that you said in the book, which I loved is changing the world feels too big to take on. Is it worth a try? You know, you kind of like ask that question, um, which I think is a great question. I think a lot of people would respond in different ways. So I'd love for you to kind of answer that question for us, you know, and, and especially looking back on what you've managed to do at She's the First, how it really did start as that naive idea and has grown into this international movement, you know, how do you relate to this question? You know, is it worth a try? And how do you encourage other people to kind of answer that question for themselves? Well, I think the frank answer, although somewhat morbid, is we talk about your dash and what is the dash between the day you were born and the day you're inevitably going to die going to mean for the world. And I think we all have to do what we can to make sure that that dash is something that's going to make us proud. And no, you don't have to run for office. You don't have to start an organization. Like you don't have to do these grand scale things, but you have to do something that is meaningful um, because in order to create the world we want to live in, we need a combination of working at scale and of working inside of our own homes. And every one of us has influence over the relationships in our lives. For those who are raising children, I mean, what an opportunity to pass on values and mindsets that many of us weren't raised with, um, that we learned later in life. How can you give your children um, the a, a way of interacting with the world that is more inclusive, um, that makes an impact. In your company, you know, even if you feel like your job has nothing to do with social impact directly, well, how can the skills or the profits of that company be invested in the change you wanna see? There's so many creative ways to make every day matter and count. Um, and I just don't see another option. It's like the, the only way is, is forward. And I really believe we have the power to do that as a, as a society that is so interconnected more than at any other point in human history. Oh, that's so golden. I love that answer. Yeah. And I mean, a lot of kind of what you're alluding to is kind of this idea of how, like, how do you do it? You know, like there are so many different ways and there's so many different opportunities and there's ways you're doing it that you didn't even realize, you know, like you're already doing it, give yourself credit for that. And, you know, for, for people who don't quite believe that for themselves yet, I encourage them to pick up your book because your book will make it very clear. Like, Oh, there are so many different ways to get involved ways that I already am doing. I can grow upon this and I can be more, um, you know, more of a contributor, a larger change maker, just, stand up for the person I want to be. Um, and, and your book is a, is like the most comprehensive system of prompts and kind of questions that I've ever come across. So congratulations oh, on that. I'm super you. excited to go through it again, um, and in more detail. Um, but before signing off here, um, I want to just kind of ask one question, um, kind of is like, it's a takeaway, but also a call to action, which is, um, for the women in the audience and kind of the future that we want to create and the equity that we want to create for women domestically, internationally, in poverty, you know, et cetera, across the world. What is their role in being a part of a better future and how can they get involved and she's the first to participate in that? Yeah, well, I'm so glad you asked because we we're in Women's History Month and International Women's Day is on March 8th. Well, I do think these issues should be year round are for me. Um, it's important for us to all 
recognize how patriarchy holds everyone back, the men and the boys too. And all genders need to be given equal rights. And in the case of She's the First, we're focused on girls specifically and how millions of girls around the world are denied those rights. Um, so in our work, we team up with local grassroots organizations, women-led organizations that are making sure girls are educated, respected, and heard. So my advice would be wherever you are, uh, seek out those organizations that are um, women-led and, and targeted at underserved girls, whether that's in your own community or state, country, or on a global scale, because those local partners, those local leaders, they know best what girls need and they know how to meet the challenges of girls in their community. So we just need to give them the resources to thrive. And as, as you noted, resources come in many forms in money, time, skills, so if you share a North Star with me, please get involved with She's the First. Um, if your North Star intersects with gender equity in any way, please follow what we're doing. And uh, we would love to have your voice behind our campaigns and efforts. I love it. It's an incredible cause and you're doing incredible work in you know, providing a voice for girls who become women who deserve it. So I'm, I'm extremely inspired. I'm so grateful to have connected with you today. And I look forward to this just being the beginning of your impact plan coming into real life. So um, can't wait to see what's next for you. Thanks, Brian. That was Tammy Tibbetts. Tammy's experience is unique in that she can approach impact both through the lens of an aspiring individual trying to contribute in a way that's meaningful to her and as the CEO of an international nonprofit who understands the intricacies of what actually moves the needle on important issues. In this conversation, we touched on what it means for you to pursue your own impact, which is born from your own life experience and perspective. We talked about how you should relate with those you serve, approaching them as a partner in the exchange, and we talked about why this all matters and what your life stands for when it's all said and done. In support of International Women's Month, I encourage you to check out Tammy's incredible nonprofit called She's the First. Their programming and advocacy across the world is changing lives and is ushering in a new age of female empowerment and opportunity. Take the time to learn more at www.she'sthefirst.org. Thank you so much for listening, and I'll see you next time on Self-Improvement Daily.